Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, my name is Dallas here. Today, we have another incredible author joining us today, Keith Cooper. Keith, such a pleasure to have you here today. How are you? Hey, Dallas, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I can't complain here in Brazil. You said that you're calling us from Colorado, 9,000 feet up. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah, well, I can't complain about being in the Rocky Mountains either. So I think we've <laughs> both got something in common already. <laughs> so it's January 8th. Is it snowing there in Colorado today? It is snowing in Colorado. Ironically, it's snowing in Denver, which is a lower elevation in the mountains. We got a pretty clear day. So uh, I think Denver got our snow. There you go. It's been a long time since I've seen snow, and I can't say that I miss it. It's It's been pretty great <laughs> being far from that. So again, Keith, it's a pleasure to have you here today. And for our audience, so we're going to be discussing your book called Taking the Mask Off. And so stay tuned to your full testimony and to hear more about the book and what inspired that and what you discuss inside of that book. And so before we do, if you could just tell us who you are, a little bit about yourself, then we'll dive deeper into the book itself. Well, we'll talk more about the who you are and what you do is a little bit different because I've always felt that we've identified ourselves by saying, you know, when people ask, who are we? We talk about our occupation. And in truth, you know, Dallas very well that if we quit doing our occupation, we're still, you know, sons and daughters of God. I mean, we're still wow. good Christians. We're still good people. So I try not to identify with who I am, you know, in context of what I do. So let me tell you a little bit about me, which will kind of get into the what I do. Um, I like wow. to consider myself an Alaskan. I grew up there, uh, love the place, still have a place up there. Uh, I've served in uh, our armed forces for many, many years, and then served in the corporate world, uh, father of three wonderful kids. And uh, I'm a person who loves the outdoors, as you can tell where I sit right now. Uh, and that's kind of the, what I do and what I enjoy. Uh, the who I am, I think, you know, summary, I'm, I'm a child of God. I, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm a person of faith. Um, I'm a person who has made mistakes that has gotten back on the road of uh, redemption and, and doing well. Um, and um, that's kind of the, the big picture in a nutshell, the macro piece of who Keith Cooper is and what Keith Cooper does. I think that's an excellent answer. I was taking part in a ministry event over the weekend, and there was a couple that gave their life to Christ. And the person that was directing them was saying, no, not what you do. Who are you? Right. And I think that's, that's such a great point to remember for all of us listening today. It's not, you're not defined by who you are, by what you do. You are yeah. a child of God first. You're a son of God yeah. first. And so I think yes. that's such a great reminder for us today that we are not defined by what we do, but we are who we are. We were created in the image of God. And so thank you, Keith, for bringing that just right off the bat, some truth for us to digest <laughs> it. Thank you. Thank you. And so what led you into writing this book, Taking the Mask Off? your journey from Dr. Seuss to the Bible. And I think that's such an interesting subtitle there. If you could go into that a little bit more. Of course. Um, I think it was a whole COVID crisis that hit our world. And I'll say that just in general terms. 
uh, what I was feeling, everyone was feeling, the isolation. Mm -hmm. uh, we were letting isolation become insulation. We weren't mm -hmm. letting ourselves be who we were. So I had time when the world wasn't, you know, calling me on the phone for a lot of things to really think things through. So my process changed there when else did to going from a world of busy lights and signals and phones to being up here right next to nature and the quiet. So I changed into going from the busy world to meditation, yoga, mm -hmm. journaling. And that was my therapy, Dallas. Okay, that was a therapy I enjoyed that that I, I'm still, I would say the word addicted to. But that led me to really write down, getting to the question of who I am, because I never really knew who my parents were. I knew what they did. And obviously I did. My kids know what I do and what I did. But I wanted to leave a message for my kids just in daily thoughts where I was looking out the window at nature, whether I was talking about my childhood, whether I was talking about bad experiences. And I started collecting those in five by seven books. And those five by seven books with the felt tip pen were my therapy every day to write, whether I wrote one story or three short stories, it didn't matter. The goal was to leave it for my kids. And then when I shared it with others, when I shared it with friends, friends who cared, they said, you need to share this because there are a lot of people out there like you. But I just didn't want to share the Keith Cooper story. Mm -hmm. I wanted to share something that I could pass on that would make them better to show them what I did to get better. So each story in the book has a story of one to three pages with questions at the very end. The stories made such that it talks about a general background, whether it be my childhood, whether it be about flying, whether it be about volunteering, regardless. And then it goes into something that I may have done well or not well. But then it talks about how I got out of it. And then it leaves questions at the reader. So when you sit there with your partner reading it, you read a story, you put it in your lap, you close your eyes and you think. And that was my goal, to give something back, which starts going into who I really am, a servant person who wants to make sure I leave something back. And that's what led to writing the book and publishing it, really looking at there are people out there like me who can use this and learn from mistakes I made. And I wanted to make you know those people's lives better. Yeah. And at one point of our lives, for most of us, we've all put a mask on of some sort. And so from your experience and from what you were placing in the book there, when do we start to put on a mask? And what are the dangers of having a mask, living our life with that? You know, that's a great question. I think if we look back and we can look, look at the whole cycle of learning and, uh, and development, we start out as kids. And our kids know no prejudices. Our kids know no hate. Our kids know that they want to go out in the yard and play. They don't care what their kid looks like next to them. Mm -hmm. They don't care what toy they have. They're happy out there. They're enjoying themselves. And then we get into our cliques and our groups. We get to be teenagers. We Some of us go to school and we get into different parts and beliefs. And then we go to the corporate world where we're led to believe things of the corporation or the friends we hang out with. And we get isolated, insulated, and we get this mm -hmm. onion skin callus across us. And then at a time that we are probably more open to being great, we try to accumulate things. We like to collect. We like to, to buy things. We like to get the house, the boat, the snowmobiles, whatever it is. And we start collecting our assets and we start trying to save our money for that big rainy day. And then we come to a point, Dallas, where we realize that we have less time on this earth than we've used. And our focus changes from assets to what legacy are we going to leave? What age? If you could I, just I put think, a number I on. think it happens about, for me, it happened about 47, 48 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that switch happens. And you realize, and you're talking about the mask come on, you realize how many masks you had to take off when you hit that point. Because you had the mask of conformity. 
because you had to listen to the boss's jokes and the boss's mm-hmm. jokes were the best jokes and you had to agree with everybody else. Okay. Yeah. You had to put the mask of happiness and people going, Hey, how you doing? You go, well, I'm doing fine. Well, really you weren't doing well. You should have mm-hmm. stayed home. Okay. Uh, you have all these masks that have accumulated on you and, and you have such trouble p- pulling them off. It almost becomes an imprint of your face. So the whole point of taking the mask off my journey from Dr. Seuss to the Bible was mm-hmm. COVID offered us all to wear a mask. But what we didn't take into account was COVID also offered us a time to take those masks off, not just the KN95, N95 other masks, but the mask we were wearing so long. And that's why I think the book is so important. So that's a mask I talk about. That was a process I went through when I looked at how to write the book, present the book to, to readers. Yeah. And I think it's such a powerful time today. If you weren't one of those people who acknowledged this mask that you're wearing and took the opportunity to take it off, hopefully now you can consider what Keith is saying here. And maybe I do have a mask, right? At whatever age we're at today, maybe we can realize, wow, I've been wearing masks for so long. For me, it started as a people pleaser when I was a a teenager. It led me into addiction, other, you know, things after that. But we start putting on masks, as you said, at a young age. And so I think right. it's good for us to realize, wow, I do have a mask. I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not. Let's deal with it. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Discover the power of faith-driven marketing with Jesus Revolution Marketing. They're here to amplify your message as a Christian artist and boldly share Jesus with the world. Their specialized services create an online presence that shines His light. Ready to transform your impact? Visit www.jesus-revolution.ca and let's revolutionize your ministry through the digital age. Jesus Revolution Marketing, where faith meets marketing excellence. Are you looking for a podcast that explores life with Jesus in a secular country, in marriage, and in love? Then tune in to the Hope, Love, Faith podcast, hosted by Tony and Smirty Panda, with insightful discussions on Jesus Christ, marriage, and everything in between. This podcast is sure to encourage and inspire. Don't miss out. Listen to the Hope, Love, Faith podcast on all mainstreaming platforms today. And so what are some of the processes you you discuss in your book of how to remove the mask? I, I think the book, through the stories, talk about the process. I think the book talks about first being vulnerable, right? I mean, you, you've got to recognize you have these masks. You've got to say, I do. I mean, before, before you can get well, you've got to say, I have a problem, right? And the problem you have is trying to understand that, you know, where are you going in your life? Is your ladder, as I say in the book, leaning against the wrong wall? You know, for many years, a lot of us climbed that ladder so fast. Oh, my God. It's like, look what I've done. Look what I've done. I'm doing it all for my family. So I can have a lot of great things, but I forget during the time I'm doing it, I'm neglecting my family, you know? So wait a minute, but we're climbing that ladder to do what? To be way more, to do something we don't enjoy. And so I think that's a part that I talk about being vulnerable there, making sure your ladder's against the right wall. And sometimes Dallas is more important to have scaffolding. In other words, go lateral and trying to go up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to go down, you know, sometimes you got to fire your boss and that makes sense, you know? Just leave if you're not happy, because at the end of the day, you know, all the money you have saved in the bank, all the stocks you have won't do any good if you're getting older and you have an illness. And so the remedy I talk about in the book is when you go in, for example, I give an example of going for your physical. Right. We all go in for our physical every year. And when you get my age, I'm a lot older than you. You take blood a little bit beforehand, you know, 10 days out. 
and you come back in, see the doctor, you sit in the table, they take a hammer, whatever, hit your knee, they look in your throat, your ears, your eyes, whatever, and they look at your lab results. Well, the remedy that I give people is your lab results are wonderful, okay? You know, hopefully you're turned out well, maybe a little high cholesterol here, do less, do less. But guess what controls what's below your neck? What's above your neck, okay? And what we don't do is we don't go to the therapist. We don't go to someone once a year and go, hey, how am I doing? And Dallas, I'm not saying that people have to realize that they have a problem, but sometimes life's problems hit us. I gave the example in the book of inflation, the house, the baby, the new car, the new job. You put all those in a mixing bowl, the most perfect, strong person is going to have issues, right. Okay. And it's not that they are doing anything wrong. It's not that they have a mental issue, but they need someone to talk with. And that's not professional. Go to the therapist as often as you go to the doctor. A professional, you pick them. Just sit and talk for a while. It doesn't cost you more than an oil change in your BMW or Audi or Porsche. Just sit down for an hour, okay? And just talk. And you'll feel better. They'll feel better. And then that's mm -hmm. complete physical. So that's a remedy I give people. You know, treat your, your body has your body especially your head. And then, you know, the other items I, I discussed earlier all come together to, I think, give remedies to uh, people to take that mask off. And it's it's funny when you find that, that you have the mask of conformity on or the mask of happiness on. Your relationships improve. Your health improves dramatically. I mean, I everything can't tell Everything else you. aligns, according to that. Everything right? else aligns. So I mean, yeah. I've, I've lost 15 pounds since uh, coming out of the corporate world. I just finished walking the 500-mile Camino about a month and a half ago in 32 days. I mean, I, I feel great. Um, can't wait to do it again if I can. You know, that's that's my thought. Uh, all because you focus on the things that are really above your neck, which control what's below your neck. Wow. Going back to the American dream and your ladder, ladder against the wrong wall, it wasn't right. until after I left the U.S. And thankfully, at a young age, I got to leave the U.S. and live in a different culture and see the American dream from afar. And that's a crazy thing. And you can see that really everything we thought mattered doesn't matter as much because most people here don't have it. Most people here right. can live without a microwave. Wow. I haven't had a yeah. microwave in five years, you know, like just right. little things like this. But if you could tell somebody today who's listening, who they've been working hard, they're in the corporate world, their ladders against the wall, and they're almost to the top but they're going to come to a crash soon. Wow, I was on the wrong wall. What would be your advice to this guy today? My advice to that person would be, go to Spain like I did. Mm -hmm. Take a week off from your job uh, or two weeks and just walk. You find there that they have siestas. And you, you know what that is. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. from about 2 to 6 p.m., everything closes down. They relax. Go somewhere different as you did, Dallas. See a different part of the world. Yeah. I got to tell you, I ran into more CEOs on that path who are trying to find their way. They just mm -hmm. left their job. They got bought out. Some were business owners who own their company and they had more money than the bank could hold, but they mm -hmm. know what they're going to do tomorrow. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was that part. And so I would tell that up and coming vice president who's driving the Range Rover or, you know, wants to be in that certain parking spot that if the company got rid of that person or if that person dropped dead tomorrow, the company mm -hmm. would still run fine. Okay. That person needs to find a path in their life so they're valued and they can be a servant and they can find a way to help others. They need mm -hmm. to find a purposeful life. And when you <clears throat> take it from that perspective, not that they aren't volunteering, not that they aren't helping, but when they dedicate their life to what you are doing and what I'm doing, they realize there's a different 
mold out there that they can mm-hmm. do. Now, granted, they, they may be happy as heck being the banker, the, the lawyer, the stockbroker. That's perfect. Okay. But also don't forget that who you are is not what you do. Mm-hmm. And I would challenge them to internally ask themselves when they're climbing that ladder, don't forget who you really are as you climb. Okay. Don't be that guy or that girl. Okay. Be who you are. Be genuine, be empathetic, and understand that there are people out there who depend on you. Be human. Yeah. You also talk about the power of journaling. You did mention this a few minutes ago. If you could talk through that a little bit more, how has journaling set you free in some of these aspects of your life? Journaling is like being with a therapist. Journaling is like talking with you. Journaling is opening up. Uh, It's kind of funny. Every time I sat down in the morning, whether it be 530 or, you know, God woke me up at 430, I found out that I had something on my mind when I woke up earlier than planned. I was thinking bad thoughts. I was thinking of of something that had happened to me and 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 wanting revenge on the person. I had terrible thoughts at those times, and I'd get up and sit and look in the darkness out of the room, and I'd just start writing. I'd turn on this lamp and I start writing, and I really didn't know what was going to come out of my hand, and that's why I couldn't do it on a computer. And I found out I had anger built up. I found out I had retribution built up. I found out I had um, sorrow built up of things that no one else had control of. I was finding out all these emotions that just went from my heart to my my hand. And when you talk about that time in the morning and you talk about journaling, I think the biggest thing I'll tell you is I learned to not think with my mind, but think with my heart. And that's why I said the felt tip pen came from my heart. And that's why it's so powerful that we write down what we're thinking. Even now, I keep a pen and paper at my bedside so when I can't sleep at night, I don't jump on the phone. I have no electronic devices in my room at all. They're all out. Um, I write it down with a pen and paper. What am I thinking about? Why am I thinking about it? And I go back and think about that. And that's really my therapy. So that's how it helped. Yeah, I want to touch also on that point of not having any electronics in your bedroom because some people, I mean, this is so rare to hear right? What, why? Why are you doing this, Keith? What's the benefit to that? It frees you. As a matter of fact, uh, in my home, I've got this, what I call a, 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 a kind rule that no electronics on the main floor. There's Yahtzee, there's Twister, there's Monopoly. Mm-hmm. They're, they're puzzles. Uh, when people walk in, they put a piece of puzzle on the puzzle. We sit and we talk. It's a talking room. Um, I really believe that the eye-to-eye contact that not having electronics near your ear, not being, not thinking about it is going to make you live longer. I think there's health reasons why, and psychologically, I think it's been proven. The last thing I want to do is have a phone next to me when I'm sleeping at night, worrying about it ringing. And people say, well, my kids live in, you know, Galveston, Texas, they may call me. Uh, Well, they might, okay. Uh, Something else might happen. That's true. I can say in the probably four years I've been doing that. I've not had one call that's been an emergency from the time I go to bed at 10 o'clock that I'll wake up at 630. Not one, mm-hmm. not one, you know? Yeah. Isn't that, that um, fear factor of like, I might miss something keeps it close, right? It does. It does. Your and I'm telling life. people, you know, phones near beds, uh, again, it's their personal choice or not for me. Uh, I put them outside of the room, complete different mm-hmm. room. They're on a charger or whatever. I check them when I get up. Um, then I just put it back down. I mean, I just, I don't guide my life by a phone. I can't. Right. I remember one story, if I could quickly tell it, I was, uh, I was in a business world 
And I, I literally forgot my phone as I was getting an Uber to the airport. Uber driver had to turn around and get my phone, right? I had to have my phone. Uh, fast forward, about three months ago, I was going to the store down here and I forgot my phone. I said, no big deal. I mean, it was fine. I thought about 10 years ago when I didn't have a phone, what would happen? If I broke down, people would help me. You know, I'm not going to die. It's going to be okay. I now let, let my conscious control my phone versus the other way around. Right. And I think that's why I have no media floors that I want people to be freed up here to be able to look outside and enjoy nature, not look at TikTok on their phone, whatever they're looking mm -hmm. at that day. That's amazing. My wife has been telling me about this. Don't put the phone in the bedroom for months. And I finally agreed about one month ago or something. And I don't miss it. To be honest, you don't miss, I don't miss no, it. No, no, you don't. Yeah, and, yeah, and an emergency yeah. for me hasn't happened either. That situation, right. you know, right. where something can happen, it is beneficial. And I think that the, more people are going into this. Like, yeah, I don't need to be connected to this all the time. And I think that's part of the mask too, that where we could call it an idol also, that we we worship the phone and everything they can do for us. We need it, you know? And I want to use the machine, not the machine use me, if that makes sense, right? I there want you to go. be in control. And so, yeah, that's not part of the book, but I think that that really ties in well for our audience to take something away from our time here today. Well, you also actually, discussed... it is part of the book. Uh, it is. There, oh, there is a, there's, oh, yeah, there's a book. There's a title called Put the Damn Phone Down. I, I wrote yeah. an article on that. And I wrote that because Perfect. during the time of COVID, I, I was out hitting my punching bag and jumping on my bike back and forth because I got outside. And families mm -hmm. would take walks, which, which I thought was great because I never saw that before, right? I mean... COVID caused a lot of good things to happen. It caused families to be together. It caused dads to have, you know, tea parties with the daughters at 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. It caused, you know, the moms to, to walk with daughters. And I saw it all in the country out here. It's great. Uh, I live on a piece of land and people walk around their, their properties and my property and everything else. It's great to see families and Fido the dog would be out there barking and sniffing. Mm -hmm. And it was the most beautiful thing. And then one day I saw this family. The kids were up front, you know, running with the dog and, and uh, the dad and mom were on their cell phones, and it just irked me. And I said, here you are in Grand County, 9,000 feet high. It's beautiful. The moose are out. The, everything's going on. And you're talking about business on the phone. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I wrote the article. I said, you know, why do you have your phone with you? I said, it can't be for an emergency. I mean, if it was a meeting, then plan your walk around the meeting. You know, meetings tonight. Stay at home. Take the call. Tim, you know, you know, leave your phone there. And then I thought, well, some people are worried because we have bears up here and moose. And I said, well, if a bear attacks you and you call 911, the bear will be <laughs> done, done with you before Game someone over. shows up. That's yeah. right. So your phone's not going to help anybody. I mean, I hate to say it, but you can call anybody you want, but they ain't going to be there. So it's not going to help there. So I put the article together saying, put the damn phone down, focus on your kids. They're only going to be with you if they're six years old, 12 years from now, they're going to be gone. And then you got all the time in the world to get on your phone, okay? And make all the money you want. Do what the heck you want. But spend time in those tea parties. Spend time with your kids. Spend time with your partner. Love your wife. Love your husband. Look in many eyes. You know, don't put the phone next to your cheek. I mean, we, we put our phone next to our cheek more than we put our partner next to our cheek. And that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. I don't know if I want to go into the area of social media. Are, are you? How do you feel about social media, Keith? <laughs> I'm afraid to ask. I'm not on uh, our audience today. I'm not on social media. I think I'm on LinkedIn uh, for mm -hmm. business that I run, and that's about it. But I, I, I don't have Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, TikTok, um, whatever thing there is these days. Um, 
and I, I'm, I'm not knocking those who do that's their business but all i'm recommending to people is when you get off of those apps mm-hmm. put them away completely be present with whoever you're yeah. with and that's my point you can't mm-hmm. be present if you got a phone in one hand and you have your partner in the other that's not being present well, um, i so heard the other day that if you watch a movie with your spouse you're not spending time together you're distracting yourself yeah you know, to talk. Right. And that's such a great point, right? We find so many ways to distract ourselves from our family, our our children, our spouses. I think that's a, such a great point. You also talked about this theme of resilience in the book. Let's discuss that as well. Why is this so important <laughs> for us? Because there's so many distractors out there that take you away from who you are, right? You've got to be who you are. And that's part of the Dr. Seuss part of the story. People go, why Dr. Seuss? Because be who you are, say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind we have to have that resilience because uh heck quick story i grew up in what was called at the time special education nowadays it's called learning disabled i stuttered big time i I had a severe speech impediment so three times a a, a week i think the speech therapist came to alaska we did not have the, the same quality of care of many states and I would get pulled out of the classroom, marched into a glass classroom and taught speech, you know, type things. Um, while all the rest of the kids got to go to recess and they point fingers. Now, they were not bad kids. They were kids. That's what kids do. Right. So I was always singled out as being a little bit different because a starting with that. And in sixth grade, I was actually put back to a fifth grade class. So I had to really work hard to try to fit in at that age and be accepted. Now, lo and behold, I'm not sure what happened, but after maturing a bit of the speech kind of came naturally and and I matured and moved on. But what I found in this resilience theme is that even during dates, people would say, you know, you're a bit different. Well, why? Because the sports I involve myself in are not the football, the basketball, the team sports. I love mountain biking. I love cross country and downhill skiing. Um, I love the solo type sports you talk about. You know, I, I love walking uh, across, you know, countries and doing things. Um, on weekends, I'm not one to go to sit down for four hours and watch football. I, I can find I can't sit for four hours anyway, just so you know. OK, and I'm sure not going to watch a football game. Um, yeah. I'm outside. I mean, I'm doing things. I believe there's no bad weather, just bad clothes. So I'm always outside doing something. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about that resilience. You know, you've been identified even on relationships. I've been called Abby normal by my people. So I characterize myself as being different automatically because of what people said. And that mm-hmm. resilience is needed to tell people you're OK. The resilience is needed to say to people, you know, you criticize me for being different, but I laugh at you for being the same as everyone else. And that's my comeback to them. Okay. We are all different. We all have a purpose. We're not grouped together and we shouldn't try to fit in. We should try to be ourselves and find those groups of people who accept us as we are versus trying to change to be like someone else. And that's what I would say that resilience is doing. It's hard these days. Social media makes it hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bullying makes it hard. Uh, The environment makes it hard. My hat's off to people raising families these days. They have have a much tougher time than than I did raising my kids and my parents Mm -hmm. did with me. It's tough these days. And and, and I applaud you for what you're doing. You're doing a great job. But your, your sons and daughters must have the resilience to be who they are. And that's why I put the Dr. Seuss piece in there. Yeah. Wonderful. Anything else that you would want to just discuss from your book that we didn't touch on specifically today or just what overall theme are you trying to give your audience and our listeners here today? Um, first, I would say that there's a journey we all go through. And 
thinking with your mind to your heart is the longest 18 inches in the world. Okay. Um, the journey is really the reward more than anything else. The people you meet, the relationships you have, uh, the change you make and so on. Um, and I think as I go through the book, as we talk about things, um, learn from my mistakes in the book, learn from the things that I've written down that you may find useful. Uh, don't try to be that guy or that girl who thinks different and put the judgment word in your vocabulary in the trash can. Um, we can all judge one another and we've all been judged. Um, but at the end of the day, we're children of God. We're human beings. We're here to help one another. And we have to get that as our foundational, what I call math common denominator first. And really not worry about, you know, being selfless and try to, you know, do our own and move forward. We have to help one another before we can go forward. And the last thing I'll tell you that, that I learned in writing the book is before you can love someone else, you got to love yourself. You got to look in the mirror and go, hey, I'm okay. You have to understand that premise before you can really be truthful, honest, and give love to someone else. And that's what I'd like to pass on. Yeah. I think that's such a, an important point to love ourselves and not being in a in a weird negative way, but just be be okay right. with who you are, right? Be okay with who God made you to be. Stop trying to conform to everyone else's exactly everything you've been saying today fits exactly into that mold there. I remember for the first time when I looked in the mirror and I said, I love myself. That was after my addiction yeah. recovery. And right. I was understanding my identity in Christ, not by what I've done, not by what I did, but who I was in Christ. And when I found my identity, everything else changed yeah. for a huge way in my life. And so I think that's such a great point. Everything you're saying today, take the mask off, put the phone down, be present, enjoy nature, enjoy the things that truly matter. Because like you said, the kids are going to grow up. They're going to leave the house. You know, somebody might get sick. Just what, what matters? I think that's a great way for us to just realize today what truly matters in our life. And so I really appreciate everything that you brought here today. Such a great topic, such a great thing to think about. And one more thing for our audience, your book is on Amazon. Your website is in the description below. They can buy the book on Amazon. There are other places where books are sold. Anything else, how we can connect with you. If you could just tell us what your website is as well, that would be great. The website's named after an area of the book called The Cabin. It's called Long Lake. So the website's Long Lake Lore, four words, you know, long, I'm sorry, three words that are four letters each, longlakelore.com. Uh, and on that, you can find a brief history of me, my background, my background in the military, uh, corporate world, et cetera. Um, and then you can also hit the buy now button and it takes you right to Amazon, or you can go right to Amazon. And Google the title, Taking the Mask Off, uh, you know, My Journey from Doc Seuss to the Bible. It's out there. Um, it's, it's ready to, you know, I hope I can help people. I would also appreciate feedback on the book. If you want to give comments on the website, that would help me. And uh, the book is a collection of 65 short stories. Uh, I've written so far about 200. So you're only getting 65 because uh, I continue to write. Um, and I'm really debating uh, putting out another book uh, of more stories. Uh, but right now, what's in the works is a novel, which I think will be out in December uh, on the Cold War. I'm a big Cold War fanatic. And so I, I wrote a novel about an invasion uh, from one country into uh, the state of Alaska. So hopefully that will be out in December. And then uh, I'll write more short stories after that if people like it. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time here today, Keith. If you could end our time with a prayer for our audience, that would be excellent. I'd love to. Dear God, I pray for the audience that 
as we are here today, that what I've said is help put the message together and the audience and I both will make our world a better and safer place. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.